Another episode of the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Folkstead, joined as always by Reed Tingley. And uh, East Coaster Reed Tingley, I might add, because this man is not <laughs> suffering through the excruciating heat wave that is in, has engulfed the West Coast, specifically Oregon, in the past few days. Are you staying cool, Reed? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm on the East Coast, like you said, with my family uh, in the Boston area. For a bit, I got my 21st birthday coming up tomorrow, actually, so that's nice. pretty exciting, the 27th. Happy um, early birthday. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's going to be fun, and yeah, then, I mean, yesterday was just a storm of news like we'll get into, so I didn't really expect that, but it's it's been good, yeah. Glad to have you back on the podcast as well. I mean, we've, we've obviously, I, I've talked to you since then. Yeah, but. yeah. You missed the last episode for the listeners, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was a good episode with Jonathan, uh, Pro- Prodigy. Go check that out if you guys haven't yet. Um, it's just in our normal podcast feed. Um, I certainly learned a lot from <laughs> from your guys' recruiting <laughs> gleanings, of course. Um, yeah, that was fun. We'll, we'll hopefully have Jonathan back on um, Yeah. in the next month or so, I think, so that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been dealing with some family stuff recently, but um, I'm glad to be back, and I'm glad to be done with school, at least for this year, <laughs> um, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but yeah, other goings on, I mean, in Eugene, we got like the Olympic trials right now are just like going crazy, um, and before that, we had like the national championships um, at the new Hayward Field, Right. So it's, it's pretty crazy down here right now, or up here, I guess. Um, depending on where you are, but yeah, man, I hope you, hope you can enjoy the summer and I hope that we as fans can enjoy the summer, uh, as soon as Monday, which we're recording this on Saturday. So in a couple days, we could be getting more than a few big commitments from guys. Um, but (laughs) we, we can hold off on that a little bit if you want. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but it definitely seems like after all these visits have happened in June. There kind of could be uh, those coming to fruition with maybe some commitments uh, in the next few weeks. So that's super exciting. As expected, yeah. But yeah, again, it's it's always exciting um, when recruiting season can heat back up again. And I don't think it's really been able to sort of bubble up like this in years, probably, maybe ever. I mean, in terms of going from an absolute dead period to just like normal season. Um, which yeah, yeah the, the dead period ended what, like earlier this June, June 1st. Yeah. That's June right. 1st yeah. was the end of it. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's been a pretty rare month in terms of just the frequency of new visitors and news and stuff. And I think some people maybe expected the commitments to get going sooner, but I think everyone's been taking their visits this whole month. And then a lot of people, a lot of these recruits are trying to get a decision soon so that they can focus on their season come fall so should be a busy july as well nice nice so off top though let's start with um isaac slade matautia i've never been able to say his name correctly um unfortunately he is well depending on who you are unfortunately um decided to transfer away from oregon 
or enter the transfer transfer portal, I guess. Um, was that yesterday or was that two days ago? Yeah, that was yesterday, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I obviously we can kind of get into this a little bit. Um, we've heard like former players say otherwise, and I'm sure like he wouldn't want to admit this himself, but it seems like this is because of our sort of abundance of wealth at in middle linebacker, inside linebacker. Um, obviously bringing in Noah Sewell has already proven himself as a top class, like linebacker. Um, and then Justin Flo is kind of expected to sort of split minutes with ISM, uh, coming yeah. up this year. And so that probably usually playing time is the biggest factor for these type of things. Again, it, it could be something else. I mean, we don't want to put words in his mouth or anything. Um, but that, that's kind of what's assumed. Yeah, that I mean, that's certainly the conclusion that a lot of fans uh, jump to. And I mean, specifically, Justin Flo, like you mentioned, is really the guy that most people thought, you know, this was a sign that he was taking over the starting spot. And I think that people are right insofar as, you know, this opens up playing time for Flo. I think that, um, you know, Oregon fans should be excited about that in a sense. Um but I don't, I don't know necessarily whether it was such a direct cause and effect like some fans immediately go to. You know, they, they kind of think, oh, just this just says Justin Flo looked amazing in practice, and therefore the coaches basically told Isaac Slade Matuatia he wasn't going to start. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's really the case. I think it's probably a combination of factors um, of which, like, like you said, we're not aware of all of them. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the playing time is, is something to consider and probably, um, you know, there would have been maybe a more serious effort from the staff to keep him on board if we didn't have a Justin Flo ready to step into that into that starting spot mm-hmm. alongside Noah Sewell, who obviously, based on what he did last year, I think is pretty solidified as a full-time starter. Yeah, and one of the interesting things with all these recent transfers, obviously the transfer portal being created in just recent years, uh, Buddy El- Bud Elliott, not Buddy Elliott, uh, Bud Elliott for 247, on the Cover 3 podcast, he's been talking a lot about how like a lot of times guys will overvalue themselves and like think that they deserve more playing time than they're getting and then kind of they're going to reach a harsh reality when they enter the portal and nobody goes after them. I don't think that's the case with ISM. I mean, he's we know that he's like a legit linebacker. I mean, he's a good quality, like power five inside linebacker. I think he's going to land somewhere and like, this will be a case where he, I think he will get starting minutes somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. In my mind, I think, uh, you know, I think the whole run defense struggled a little bit last year and, and ISM wasn't immune to some of those issues, but like you said, I mean, if he could start at Oregon, I, you know, I've heard some people say the kind of classic route now, oh, maybe he'll end up at Boise State with Avalos because that's where mm-hmm. Cyrus went. And, and you know, I think, I mean, obviously he could go there and he would he would be a, a obvious starter there, but he could start at almost any other Pac-12 school or at least a lot of them. Yeah. Um, if he wanted to or, or another Power 5 school. I mean, he's a really... Uh, was a really good linebacker at Oregon. I felt like, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a complete breakout star. He wasn't Troy Dye, and he he wasn't what probably Noah Sewell will turn into. But he was a really solid starter. And you know, for me, I, I'm 
part of it for me is just, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for what he did for the Ducks when he was here. When he came in in that 2017 class yeah. with guys like Lenore and Graham um, and Pickett and, and, you know, that kind of group, he was, um, you know, in, inheriting a Ducks defense that had really struggled, Atrocious. obviously. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we were just terrible there. And, you know, he stepped up and he played a lot. He played a bit in 2018, uh, you know, a good amount. And then he played a ton in 2019 alongside Troy Dye. And, you know, that 2019 year was the signature year where Oregon, you know, completed that, uh, you know, saying from four and eight to Pac-12 and Rose Bowl champs. And mm-hmm. ISM was a factor in every single one of those games, mm-hmm. you know. And, and at that time, there wasn't really a linebacker behind him who could have taken those snaps. You know, now we've recruited the depth that we – but Justin Flo wasn't on campus in 2019, nor was Noah Sewell. We needed ISM in those games, really, it felt like. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he stepped up, and, you know, he's part of the reason that we were able to get that conference championship – and kind of resurrect this program, like we've said before on the show. Um, so I'm just thankful for the time he spent as a duck. Uh, he was a, he was a great duck. I felt like, um, and so I, you know, I'm appreciative of that wish him the best, but also in the same, in the same breath, Oregon will be okay because of, of the talent that we've brought in now too. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like no matter like how a player, no matter what reason the player, like, decommits for or I guess this isn't really a decommitment but a transfer same same goes for decommitments like don't be that guy I mean just don't be the guy who's like you know replying with Justin Flo pictures below him and stuff it's like that that's not cool like just yeah he's doing what's best for himself and you can't knock that especially when you're a freaking like unpaid student athlete you know so (laughs) right (laughs) yeah I think that stuff is I yeah I don't know for me I think you know, the moment like yesterday and, and kind of the immediate aftermath is just about saying like, thanks to Isaac Slade. I hope he does well at whatever his next stop is. And when it comes to fall preview season, we can get excited about how much, you know, playing time Justin Flo is going to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but also, I mean, I would say this isn't positive news for Oregon either. No, it's you not. Know, like, like I said, we'll be okay, I think, because of the talent we have. But Isaac Slade was going to be a rotational player at the very least, and he was going to be very solid in those snaps for Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully more Justin Flo picks up some of the weight loss there, but some of those snaps are going to go to a Drew Mathis, maybe Keith Brown steps in, mm-hmm. maybe Jackson LaDuke. Um, plays a bit of inside linebacker, you know, but none of those guys are the quality that Isaac Slade uh, would have been for us this season at all. And that's not even factoring in, you know, knock on wood. If one of those top two gets an entry at linebacker, then Oregon's in a really uh, difficult position. Mm -hmm. So it's not positive news. I, I don't think, you know, some fans, I think, just view this as a, NCAA video game where you just slide in the you know next guy and you're like oh he has a higher rating or whatever (laughs) he has higher he is he's faster he's bigger um but we lose a lot of experience and we lose depth importantly yeah Yeah. 
Um, and you don't know exactly how that will play out, but there's a good chance that at some point in this season, we're going to feel the loss of Isaac Slade. Mm-hmm. And those people who kind of were celebrating, if you'll call it that, um, his departure for whatever reason, you know, we'll, we'll probably regret those feelings a bit. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you also mentioned the experience. He's, it's safe to say, I think the most experienced player may be on the entire defense at this point. Um, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm struggling <laughs> to think of somebody who's like had more snaps than him. Um, yeah, the, uh, obviously Funa's played for a while. Drew Mathis is a senior and Slade's a junior, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really. Uh, I don't think so. I, I. That's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that even. But I think he might be the single most experienced guy. I mean, Kayvon's kind of close there now. He's had two full years, and just his responsibility yeah. on the defense, you know, qualifies him as a leader. Verone is a guy I think about, but I mean, Slade in terms of someone who took snaps in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Adrian Jackson might have taken snaps, and he's another guy to mention that this could uh, open a lane for, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Slade started though, every game since 2019, since the beginning right, of that and season. He, and he played some snaps in 18, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's a... that as I mean, that kind of puts, puts it to a point. I mean, Isaac Slade, the experience there is just invaluable. And, and while a guy... Like Justin Flo, I think, has those abilities to just, you know, wreck a dude and pass rush and strip a running back or something that mm-hmm. maybe Isaac Slade wouldn't do. He, you know, it's going to be his first year starting at the Power 5 level at college. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's going to be a missed assignment here or a time when he gets too aggressive on a tackle um, and overshoots it like we saw with uh, Noah Sewell last year. Mm-hmm. Um so you know, it's it's uh, there are mixed emotions definitely that go into uh, taking this news. I think. So yeah, as we said, I mean, only the best to Isaac and his family. Um, hopefully, he lands at a spot where um, we don't have to play against him. <laughs> um, but also, yeah. you know, so somewhere we can root for him. <laughs> That'd be nice. Yeah, n- no kidding. Yeah, I, I definitely don't. Uh, he would bolster almost any of those rosters in our in our conference. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but so we we talked we touched a little bit on recruiting earlier, um, but now we can really dive into it. Uh, <laughs> either you've been spending too much time like away from a screen, uh, may, maybe it's not like a hundred degrees outside where you are. Um, but if you're like me and read just because we keep up on stuff like you've noticed the jt to in the loud news um i don't know how much of an intro we need to give for him at this point uh this is pretty much the best player in the 2021 class and he still is not committed um which of course he you know he can take his time like he can do whatever he wants his big thing was that he wanted to visit all the campuses officially um and so once the dead period ended like you said earlier this june he got a chance to visit uh, USC, Washington, uh, and Ohio State, and Oregon. And he was going to visit Bama, rounding out his top five. Canceled his Alabama visit um, after he came to Oregon, which on paper is 
generally a very good sign for the last place uh, that he visited, which in that case is us. Um, What you won't get from us is any insider information on this. Like, I'm sorry, but there's maybe one person on Earth outside JT's family who knows what's going on. And that's Brandon Huffman. And all he'll give us is a beer gif on um, the Ohio State (laughs) message boards. So... Reed, can you just break this down? Like, can you swim through this a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been following this JTT recruitment pretty closely for a long time. Like you said, things opened up. He went to Washington first, uh, then he went to USC, then Ohio State and Oregon were back to back trips. Um, so I. You know, like you said, the first instinct when I heard the news was obviously to celebrate. Many people had thought it was Ohio State, Oregon, and Alabama as that kind of top three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Huffman had basically said as much. He's he's said that Oregon is the team that leads, or amongst the Pac-12, Oregon is the team that leads. We're above at least USC and UW. I think he said on uh, maybe it was Kenzano's show yesterday that there's a 98% chance that uh, JTT is playing after this Alabama news, a 98% chance that JTT is going to be playing in the horseshoe in week two. (laughs) Right. Which means for either Oregon (laughs) or Ohio state, obviously. So that there you have it. I mean, like you said, Huffman is the only insider who's gotten an interview with JTT, at least that's been published. Um, he is the man connected to this recruitment. And um, he's been hesitant to give out many hints, really. He's said this whole time, kind of hid behind the fact that he has a low confidence crystal ball to Ohio State, mm-hmm. which fair enough. I mean, he's had to do that to get the sources and we're thankful yeah. that he's at least been able to get interviews. No judgment to him. You know, it's, it's impressive what he's done, but he just has been um, hesitant to provide us with much more information than that in order to protect his sourcing with JTT and his family, I think. Um, and J- it goes, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's a huge misinterpretation uh, amongst some more casual viewers of this recruitment that JT Tuamalau is kind of a diva who's, <laughs> uh, you know, extending his recruitment just to get extra press and have these uh, fan bases yeah, and coaches yeah. fawn over him for a little bit longer. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like I'll keep trying to explain to friends and stuff like what exactly is going on with this guy and they're like, damn, why doesn't he just commit already? And it's like, well, I mean... It's not like he's doing this for attention. I mean, he was getting he was getting plenty of attention no matter what he was going to do. Um, right. Like, and all, I mean, all you have to do is look at his Twitter page or something to see that he's not kind of a guy who loves the spotlight yeah, yeah, too much. Yeah, he's clearly a very family-oriented guy. He very clearly, like, just wanted to be patient with his decision. And, I mean, here we are, like, two days away from it, and I can barely even contain my excitement for it. Like, <laughs> I wanted to just commit already. And even though he's yeah. given us a date, I can barely, like, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's just an amazing kind of turn of events where um, this this recruitment's been unfolding for 15 months now, and, and it's basically been kind of static, more or less, 
we've heard rumblings from various sites. I mean, if, if you're on Scoop Duck, you've heard some of the things that uh, Jay Hawk has said um, and kind of has been beating the drum for Oregon a bit more than any than most other places. Um, a lot of other sites have kind of, and, and other quote unquote insiders have pretty much just fallen in line behind Huffman and just kind of parroted that point that Ohio State has a slight lead. Um, but, you know, then uh, it, it, I guess it was just crazy for me because like you said, it's been, you know, it's been this whole time waiting to get visits. And that's what we were told the entire time was that JT Tuomalau really wanted to see all five finalists in person. And in fact, people like Huffman said that Alabama was the main threat to Ohio State mm-hmm. to gain his commitment. So that Alabama visit seemed like it was a, a crucial visit for him. I, I mean, including all the other five, but it just seemed like after waiting this long to take visits, of course he's going to take all five of them. Yeah, yeah. And no, it, then, it seems really weird to have Bama be the one left out. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, Cristobal and, and probably every coach, all of the five coaches were – really petitioning hard to be the last school that JTT got to saw that, you know, you want to have that final impression, the last visit, you know, that he's not going anywhere else where he's going to have his mind changed last second after he leaves your campus. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have to wonder if that ended up kind of hurting Alabama in this, because basically the story is that JT2 Malau and his family just got kind of tired of traveling and the visit schedule. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, if you guys have read up on this visit schedule, like, I don't know if you were about to mention this, Reed, but it was, like, back to back to back to back. Like, barely got a time to rest between these visits. I mean, it was something, like, I think between Columbus and Eugene, he, like, took, like, a red-eye flight. And then, I mean, imagine visiting a campus for, like, two or three, two nights, right, three days, and then, like, you wake up the next day and instantly travel to a new one across the country and then tour that one for a few days and everything. But as you said, like, it's really weird that he canceled the Bama visit. Like, that shows you, that that tells us that something he saw on one of those probably last two visits really, really piqued his interest. Like, to yeah, the point exactly. where he didn't need to go to Bama. <laughs> like, the Mecca. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that's that's what's just so strange about it. And it kind of... Uh, I mean, not that I question, you know, Huffman's uh, work exactly, but the fact that he's said a few times that Alabama was the main threat for JTT and even said that, uh, you know, he was he if he changed his prediction, it would be to Alabama. I mean, really strongly hinted that it was Alabama was a strong contender in this recruitment. And then for JTT to cancel the visit, kind of makes me wonder how good of a handle on this recruitment Brandon Huffman even has. Mm -hmm. You know, even though he might have the best handle of it of any of the insiders, it seems like the Tui Malau family, it's it's been pretty internal with their discussions of what they value, where they they want to end up, um, where they want JTT to end up. And, you know, if Huffman, if Huffman had an inkling of this, uh, a couple months ago that Alabama wasn't a visit he really needed to take 
then he wouldn't have been saying the things he was saying publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, the quote, the quote, you know, you can read this full story on, on 247 Sports, but one of the quotes or the, the real quote that, you know, started it is, it's just a, from JTT, it's just a feeling I've had for a while now. And after getting back from my official visit to Oregon, we decided not to take the trip to Alabama. So that shows you it's been, it's something he's been feeling for a while now that was then confirmed during either the Ohio State or Oregon visit is how I read that quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like you said, I think it just comes down to because those visits were so compressed, it's tough to tell which one it was. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was the Ohio State visit, he went straight to Oregon right afterwards. He's on a red eye. If he was feeling like, oh, Ohio State was has been the leader this whole time for me, um, and I finally got to see them in person with my family, and this just confirmed that that school's everything I want to be in, he might have just been thinking about that processing it he's on a plane literally to eugene while he's you know processing the visit then he lands in eugene he just enjoys the trip for a few days and gets back home and it's like yeah i you know ohio state still blew me away on the visit that's where i want to be um and that would fall in line with the narrative that huffman's been saying that ohio state's had a small lead this entire time yeah but there's there's other people who have said that Oregon is getting closer to here. Um, distance is becoming a factor in the recruitment, which is the common narrative with you know any recruitment really is that distance becomes a factor in it later on. And so that's the other way you can interpret this quote is he's been feeling for a while now like he wants to stay closer to home. He's mm-hmm. been connecting with the Oregon staff and um, after and he literally says after getting back from my official visit to To oregon Oregon. (laughs) um and obviously i mean we're oregon fans you know so we're gonna read this (laughs) try to read i mean i'm trying to be objective and i try to get you know no you've been doing a good job of it (laughs) um but that's the other way you could read it is you know this oregon visit actually was the one where he said okay, I feel really comfortable with Oregon. I feel like they're a legit program. Um, I feel like I can compete at the highest level at Oregon, just like I could at Alabama or Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I feel like Oregon can still get me to the NFL because as we know on his visit, he talked to uh, DeForest Buckner. He talked to Eric Armstead. He talked to Kayvon Thibodeau. He talked to Haloti Nada. All those guys were there. They all, all that is public on social media. Yeah. Um, and he's a JTT is a 49ers fan. DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead led them to a Super Bowl appearance. Um, so those things could have moved the moved the needle for JTT and made him realize that Oregon was actually the place that he wanted to be. Um, but like you said, it's it's tough to really know which of those two it's almost impossible to know which of those two scenarios happen mm-hmm. but i have a feeling one of them happened and for me i i kind of feel like um he probably already knows what the decision is i, I think that yeah. uh some people think oh he's just taking extra time to decide with his family and he might be talking about it but to cancel that 
Alabama visit. Yeah, I feel like he'd be certain if he was canceling that. Like you don't, you don't cancel a Bama visit if you're pretty sure you're going to go to one or the other. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You'd have to have landed at a, you know, seen a school with your family that really felt right to you that you were convinced by. Um, But like you said, it's it's tough to know whether it was Oregon or Ohio State. That's the question, Mm -hmm. and I, you know. For Oregon, this would be a huge commitment. Um, it would fall in line of, of Oregon history alongside the DeAnthony Thomas flip uh, yeah. from USC, the Kayvon Thibodeau uh, recruitment, and maybe the Justin Flo recruitment. But, it, you know, it's it's probably uh, a lot bigger than that even. I yeah, think. I mean, just I think just because of the way it's been drawn out for so long. I mean, we've been talking about this dude for a year like right. literally a year. Um. <laughs> it's gotten it, it's gotten so much press press this whole time, and JTT has maintained his standing the entire time as as either one A or one B in that twenty twenty one class alongside Corey Foreman. I mean, everyone has has been public about this it, that how talented he is. Yeah, um, there wasn't any question there ever, and especially with just so many people saying. Oh, Ohio State leads, and then saying, "Oh, Alabama might be able to get him just because they're Alabama." I mean, Oregon's had some public recruiting wins before, but with all the speculation and press that's been going on about this for over a year, he's been the biggest name out there. If Oregon was to come out on top in the end, that would even further solidify the recruiting effort that Chris Ball has been doing mm-hmm. um, with the Ducks during his time here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this <clears throat> this would be. I mean, I can't. I'm just gonna throw some more adjectives onto this fire. Like this would be monumental. <laughs> this would be like, I don't know, game changing. This is one where like, like this is kind of how I gauge some of this stuff. Is like, will my parents know about it? <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure my parents will like text me if JT commits to Oregon. <laughs> like, like, oh, did you see like this guy? This really good. Yeah, that's funny. To us, and I'd be like, oh yeah, I, did, <laughs> I didn't see that actually. <laughs> um, yeah, actually been following it, following it for a while, Dad. <laughs> yeah, good, good to know you guys listen to my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think like just so we don't get in over our heads, like let's. I don't know. I kind of want to bring up some worst case scenarios, like. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, um, despite obviously like not taking his Bama visit, and despite the fact that Oregon and Ohio State have publicly been the leaders or are publicly presumed to be the two leaders now, um, I think it's really really interesting that he's still kept USC and UW like close to his chest. I mean, yeah. Again, I'm talking worst case scenario. Like he could just be playing all this up to commit to <laughs> one of those and break our right. hearts. Um, shoot, maybe he is like a, a husky at heart and just like really wanted to crush our souls. Um, you know, I <laughs> shoot if I was if, <laughs> if I was a recruit and like you know I I could play with U Dub and make them think they had a shot and then flip to the Ducks. Like yeah, that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like maybe he wants to pair up with Foreman, uh, at USC. Maybe. And uh, yeah, I, I think, um, 
On USC, yeah, I think I think that's also kind of his childhood favorite school and his mom's mm. favorite school, I think. Um, not, you know, not like to the degree that we're Oregon fans, obviously, <laughs> but I think that's like vaguely who his family rooted for. Yeah. So. And then obviously like Ohio State is always an option, like, and they should still yeah. be perceived as like, I think the more likely, like if we were putting odds on this, right? Right. God, this is so unethical. If we were to put odds on this, I would probably say Ohio State is the favorite, probably like a like a minus like one fifty at this point, maybe. Maybe a little less than that. Um Duck's probably what is the, what is that? Is that a minus 60%? is more likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would I don't that be like the percentages? This is why I'm not good at betting. <laughs> <laughs> do do percents, because I feel like that's what people Okay. Let's do percentage points because that's what people probably are most familiar with or is most accessible. And and that's what I've been playing around with for a while. I mean, just to say, like, I was thinking about this same exercise before we started recruiting or before we started recording uh, <laughs> <laughs> because um, I had uh, Jonathan on at, in the last podcast. I think – I forget what percentage he gave. I don't want to misquote him. I think it was, like, 70 or 80% though. To mm-hmm. the Ducks, I I thought that was a little bit high. Maybe um, love the enthusiasm. <laughs> thought that was a little bit high. I floated with different things though. There were times in this recruitment I thought it was like forty percent for a while. Then I thought it was thirty percent. There was a dead period in you know uh, maybe it was fall or winter where I was like, oh, Oregon has maybe like a twenty percent chance. Um, there's a, but yeah, we'll keep going. <laughs> then on the, on the podcast earlier, I think I said 50 or 60%. Yeah. Oregon. Um, I'm starting to feel like that was maybe a little bit generous for the ducks. <laughs> it's so, it's so tough. I mean, yeah. I just would say, especially it's almost harder the, the more you get into it because you just see all of these different nuggets and yeah. and things start to make sense one way and then you kind of have to step back and look at the other perspective. Um, and I mean, and, shit, it's hard for us as fans yeah. who already have a rooting interest. It's right. probably much harder for him like, <laughs> right. trying to decide. Um, but anyways, if, if I had to put a number on it, I think like you said at this point, Ohio State has to be the leader going into it. Um we should mention, do, do you want to do like the nugget of the beer gif now? Or do yeah, you yeah, let's now? talk about the beer gif. So Huffman posted a, <laughs> posted a gif. It's gif, by the way. I'm glad you rolled with that punch because okay. don't, don't get me started on the other people. Um, I'm, but, I'm not quite as confident as you either way, but I'll roll with it. I, I don't care. I don't have quite as strong I'm, I'm hardcore gif. Okay. We yeah. can be a gif podcast. Let's That's go. fine. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Brandon Huffman, as you mentioned, he's the lead reporter on this. He's pretty much the only insider, and even insider is probably in quotations. Um, posted a GIF on the, uh, shoot, what's their site called? It's the Ohio State. Buck Nuts. Yeah, Buck Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Like, if you needed any reassurance that college football is, in fact, the weirdest sport on the planet, like... <laughs> We we have a grown man posting a gif of like just a beer getting set down like passed to somebody on a bar, um, and that caused a frenzy. 
uh, on yeah. multiple message boards where you have grown men and women like talking about it and like dissecting and <laughs> analyzing literally a a a gif of a beer being placed with four words attached to it and two of them are just adding uh moderators yeah, for the yeah, 247 two sites it just says four at Dwayne and at ebron 84 those are the two mods for the Bucknuts site, the 247 Ohio State site. And it's just a beer being passed. And this sent, this sent scoop duck boards into a frenzy. <laughs> um, some of it maybe percolated to Twitter. Uh, I'm sure there's something going on at the 247 Oregon board as well. Um, duck territory. I mean, I was, I'll admit, it, it consumed. Uh, more of my headspace than it probably should have uh, for a few hours. Um, yeah. So the question, basically, the theory goes that this GIF is a congratulations to the moderators of the Ohio State 247 site for Read JTT silently, silently committing to Ohio State. Uh, is one theory, or it's just for the entire JTT saga and visits finally coming to an end? Yep. Um, or it's just a Friday thing he decided to do? Yeah, or it's just like a, I mean, a Friday beer. Like, hey, you know, even if it's not a good job you won the recruitment, it could be like a, oh, you know, good job you got ohio state out of the running or alabama, alabama out of the yeah. running which right i, I mean shoot I, yeah that's a reason to celebrate i guess but the fact that he didn't post like here's the thing is it's most likely just like an inside joke between those guys um i don't know right. how far back you've dug with them but i mean <laughs> uh like that that's kind of my biggest hunch is it's just like some sort of inside joke between huffman and the mods um yeah, it's 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 a weird. I mean, the the art of the tease is very present in the recruiting world. Oh yeah, the gifs are always flying around commitment time, <laughs> and you always have to read into them a little more than is probably healthy, um, or a little and, more that's in, intended even. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, that's the big part. So it you know it does seem. It's it's just weird. It seems a, it just doesn't make any sense to me either. No, way. It, does, it, it really doesn't. <laughs> it, it, I can't imagine the thought process from Brandon Huffman where he gets a text from JTT that says, I made my decision, I'm going to Ohio State. And Brandon Huffman gets that text and immediately thinks, okay, I'm going to post a beer gif over on the Ohio State 247 yeah. board. Yeah. That's weird, especially with how tight-lipped he's been this entire time. Yeah, exactly. Like, that that's kind of my line of thinking, too, is, like, yeah. let's step back a little bit and, and remind ourselves that, like, look, he visited Oregon last, and then he immediately canceled his visit to Alabama. Right. That's, that in itself is generally, like, a good thing to hear. I've I mean, heard the that, theory where, like, oh, maybe he's been walking around Eugene the whole time, can't get his mind off Ohio State. Like, 
that's why he doesn't want to visit Bama. It's like, okay, you're grasping at straws at that point. Like, right. Just, it's just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's so tough, man. That's, that's, I mean, I had, I think all, the whole Oregon fan base had a solid two hours, maybe in the immediate aftermath of it, where we thought, where we all just immediately went into, we just had a visit and then he canceled Alabama. He like, yeah. 80% chance he wants to be a duck or something. Like, it felt like it was a big thing when it first happened. Um, and there was some overreaction there, I think. And then, yeah. So, and then just the rumblings, the little stuff. Stuff like, you know, GIFs posted by Brandon Huffman <laughs> on message boards. Um their mod said uh, he's not moving his crystal ball off of Ohio State. And people are saying, you know, like I said, there's the one scenario where Huffman gets a te- actually gets a text about JTT's commitment and does it. The other scenario is kind of weird, too, though. Like, why is he posting this yeah. when he he's not dumb? He knows that everyone, like the news just broke today, everyone on the Ohio State board when Huffman comments, is going oh, to think it's Con- about uh, JTT committing. You know, it, it, so that's kind of funny. Maybe he's just having some fun with it, though. I mean, I would be surprised if JTT even, I don't know, told him, I guess. I'd yeah, be surprised. That, that, I'm, I'm thinking of that, too. And it's also like, like – <laughs> Huffman himself probably posted that just laughing his ass off or just like quietly hey, chuckling behind his keyboard. Like that's a frustrating thing is that I'm sure it took about, you know, uh 30 seconds of Huffman's brain energy oh, and it's yeah, if that. And it's yeah. consumed mine for about 5 hours. <laughs> you know, a, a solid And you're on maybe, vacation. <laughs> maybe active brain time like fully active brain time maybe more like three or four hours but like it's been i've been trying to decipher this this tweet and five words for a while you gotta add in like dream time too i mean i'm i'm you may not have remembered but i'm sure you dreamt about this last night that's true i'm sure i I, it wouldn't be my first recruiting related dream unfortunately Um, that's how you that's true dedication right there (laughs) um so yeah yeah, if we're going let's jump back to percentages real quick just so we can wrap this right up um so ohio state probably like 60 70 60 is the thing that comes to mind but i almost feel like i have to take like add that extra 10 percent just to account for like my bias Bias. or whatever i mean i Either the way, Ohio's, it appears to be a two-horse race. Yeah. And we're yeah, one the, of the horses. The Ohio State fans seem pretty confident. But, you know, they, I mean, this They're is also all... Ohio State fans. Like, they have every reason to be confident about everything. Right. I mean, they only two fan bases in the entire country can even start to talk smack to them. And one yeah. of them they just beat last year. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. They, I mean, they just... I, their attitude is just so funny. I mean, in in one sense, they care so much about Ohio State football, but then also it seems like they're just all like would let this roll off their back if they didn't get him. Yeah, yeah. Trying Whereas, to be about it. 
Where yeah. this is like our holy grail. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Destiny. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you know, you don't want to make it too weird or anything, but it would just be a huge thing for the program, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, and, and I think Oregon, it just means, it would mean a lot to the fan base. Um, and, it, you know, it's if we don't get them, it's okay. And it w- it's still impressive that we went head-to-head and finished second for him. Yeah, something we talk about all the time is like the value of having that logo on a top four or top five, like for right. so long, is super like helpful. I mean, even yeah. you know for other recruits in the future, even right now, guys who are looking to commit, um, yeah, it's it's valuable for building a brand. Yeah, absolutely. Recruiting. So it's not you know it's not all or nothing totally, but I mean, it is. Uh, it also is pretty important, especially given we play them week two. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, by the way, <laughs> he could be an important player in that game with how good he is potentially. Um, and you'd much rather have him on on Oregon side. And the fact, you know, if we're going to be in a playoff or something down the road, there's a good chance that there's an Ohio. There could be another Ohio State matchup coming up. This is true. Yeah. You know, who knows? But. It's important. So, um, yeah, if you say 60, 65, 70%. I was going to do like 65, 35, probably. 60, yeah, 65, 35. Even saying that, though, like 35 seems low, but I guess that's just kind of how percentages work. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, that's what I always like when I said the funny thing is like, you know, when I recorded the one with Jonathan Mm -hmm. and I said like 50, 60%. Um, you know, like if, if that conversation had just been approached from the Ohio state side, like I'm not saying 40% chance for Ohio state then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I I probably would have said like 50 to 60 for both schools, or maybe I would have said 60 to 70 for Ohio state. I don't know. I think, I think it's, I don't know. I don't know whether Ohio State should have that clear of a lead over us, though, in some ways, because like you said, it just seems it seems like a toss up for me just because all we kind of know is that there's two two possible things that happen. Yep. He went to Oregon. He went to Ohio State and then Oregon back to back. And on one of those two visits, he had it click and he had this special feeling Mm -hmm. that confirmed something he's been feeling internally with his family for at least a month or two. And we'll give like Maybe plus, longer. plus 10,000 odds to the other Pac-12 schools. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, I mean, it's basically either Oregon or Ohio State. And both those scenarios seem almost equally plausible to me. I think you have, the only way you feel that way though, is if you've, you have to have been plugged into some of the Oregon chatter around this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of that happens on Scoop Duck. Jay Hop is our, is kind of the, you know, primary insider right now. Um, and, you know, if you're sub there, you probably know some of the stuff he said. It's nothing crazy or anything, but just, you know, to have someone who follows the recruitment closely have a prediction in for Oregon is is where a lot of the hope comes from, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, that and, and there's other factors. I mean, the distance speaks for itself. The Polynesian connection's big. The fact that, I mean, the visits, we can talk about those really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Huffman has articles on both of those. When he was at Ohio State, the big thing was he went to the airport 
and the whole coaching staff had Hawaiian shirts on. The assistants had Ohio had Ohio State jerseys with number thirty three JTT's number on, mm-hmm. and a bunch of Ohio media was there. Um, and that is a you know a really making a big deal out of out of a recruit and treating yeah. them super specially, treating them like the center of attention, and that. I'm sure that works on a lot of people well. That works on on those players who think of themselves as stars, and uh, you know maybe someone like a, a KT who you know had a little documentary series to go on along with his co- commitment and stuff, and thinks of himself as having more of a personal brand, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but JTT for me, it doesn't seem like he's quite that player. You know, I didn't really when I heard that, I didn't interpret it that as oh my god, that's a home run strategy for Ohio yeah. State. Um, and Oregon went kind of, they zagged the other way and said, we're going to kind of base our visit, um, uh, more around just, you know, the Oregon family exactly, yeah. bringing back and former that's, that's players. Been their strategy. That's been Cristobal's general strategy just right. like overall with, with guys is like, Hey, yeah. you're coming in, you're part of a family. Like it's not just a football program. It's not just to get you to the league. Like, which again, like the main argument I keep seeing from Ohio state fans is that like, Oh, nobody develops D line talent better than us. And like, yeah, okay. You're right. But that doesn't mean you're automatically getting like all the good D line recruits. Like, right. And, and JTT even said, um, I think he said that he didn't really want to play with Foreman at USC. Hmm. Um, I think in part because JTT really sees himself on the edge and Foreman was going to kind of take over that spot potentially. Um, And you wonder, does he feel the same way about Jack Sawyer, who was another top five player in the 2021 class who's over at Ohio State? Um, If he comes to Oregon, you know, some fans might be shouting, at their phones right now, we have Kayvon Thibodeau, maybe the best DN in the country. The difference is obviously he's gone in a year. And then mm-hmm. JTT steps into our signature defensive lineman who we're going to showcase for at least two more years after that. Um, so, you know, there are, it's, it's not like there aren't factors that go in Oregon's favor. Distance of course is the other big one. Um, the family being close enough to do this and, and maybe, this uh, experience of darting across the country for four different visits and then canceling a fifth has made them tired of travel, realize kind of what a hassle it would be to get all the way to Ohio State to see games consistently or visit JTT there. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, Eugene to Seattle's a 45-minute flight or something and a four-hour drive. Um, so that's a big difference, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I don't know, 60-40. It's I mean, Oregon has a real shot. Is is all that you need to know, but Ohio State's probably the favorite. Yeah. Um let's just say we we might have better chances in in this battle than probably than in the horseshoe later this season. Oh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's closer. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens in the horseshoe. But I yeah, I think it's interesting. Um again, that's QB, scheduled for Monday, right? No, not the not his commitment. No. Oh, sorry. Who's this? Yeah, Monday? no, that's that's uh, T.J. Dudley oh, okay. Monday. Maybe a little transposition of the letters there. J.T.T.J. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that, getting to my brain. 
Yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> JT could, but I mean, it could happen any day now, potentially, I think. Um, the date, though, that most people are saying is is July 4th is the latest that he could commit. I, You know, that's what a few people I've seen say. Um, I think Huffman might have said that somewhere. Uh, 7th is when Ohio State actually enrolls. So that's the 7th of July mm -hmm. is when players have to report. So it has to be done by then. But like I said, personally, my theory is that he probably has his mind pretty much made up, which makes me think that it could be sometime early this week. Um, I feel like that's what, but who okay, knows? So that, that's what I was thinking is early this week. I feel like that was published somewhere. I, I don't know. Um, okay, but let's, we kind of, maybe you've seen something that I haven't, like, I, like, I don't you know, know. I've, if I've been on did, vacation. If I did, yeah. it was just in the Huffman article or something like that. Okay. Um, gotcha. maybe it was the Bama online, uh, article, but mm -hmm. again, I, I don't know how they would know differently, but right. let's, let's get to some of these other recruitments. Um, we mentioned TJ Dudley. Uh, he is a four-star from, I don't remember, Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so he's looking at Texas, Bama, Auburn, obviously, and also like UCF is in this. Um, yeah. I think his top he, three was yeah. recently. Yeah, he, he, he posted his top three, um, which is, I mean, that's kind of, it. he's committing on 247, I guess. Yeah, live on CBS Sports HQ on <laughs> Monday. Um, and in the graphic, the top three are Alabama, Oregon, and UCF. Um, my, my prediction is Oregon. Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Hmm. I think UCF is a tier below the other two schools. Um, and I think, I don't know if Alabama is necessarily going to take his commitment right now. Um, I mean, they might, I don't know, but I, I think Oregon's the team that has the most bu uh, buzz right now. And he was on an Oregon visit earlier this month. He's at Texas right now, which is kind of weird. I don't know what that's like releasing a graphic. Well, you're on a visit saying yeah. that the school you're visiting isn't in the top three and you're also committing on Monday. Um, but maybe it's a double reverse and Texas actually is, he'll just randomly commit to Texas. But I think, I, I don't think that's what's happening. I think Oregon uh, should feel pretty good about this commitment. Yeah. And then um, we also have to touch on Cameron Williams, uh, who's expected to commit next Thursday according to his Twitter. Um, yeah. He's got a top five, and he's I think he's visited or currently visiting all of these by now, of Oregon, Miami, Oklahoma, Texas. I feel like there's one more I'm missing in there. Um, yeah, I, I actually – so I've done two interviews with him. Texas Tech. Um, yeah, Texas Tech is the other one. I've done two interviews with him now. Um, but, yeah, like you said, that's that's the five for him. Um, I think Oregon has a decent shot there. It's on Thursday. Um, I think Oregon's got a decent shot. It's, it, he's a bit harder to read. He's kind of, you know, he's not the number one player in the country like JTT, but he's, uh, kind of reminds me of that where, you know, nowadays it seems like with the crystal ball and different predictions on other sites, 
a lot of times you go into a commitment pretty confident where the player mm-hmm. is going to choose. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if something breaks in the next few days regarding Cameron Williams. But right now, I don't think anyone uh, feels that confident about where he's going to go, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, I, and personally, I think Oregon has a real shot. Um, like I said, I've spoken to him twice, and he's been positive about the Ducks. Uh, but he's, you know, he's just... Um, hasn't been the most expressive about any of his options, I guess. Yeah. Just kind of has been, you know, ready to take his visits um, and enjoyed his visit to Oregon a lot. Um, so I think Oregon has a shot. I think it would be a good pickup for them along the offensive line. Um, he's been he's been a four-star before. I think he might have just dropped down to a three. Um, but he has the body, certainly, to play at this level. And I think that it's one of those things where if he chooses a school like Oregon that really prioritizes the offensive line, then he'll be a really successful college player. Um, so I think, you know, that Thursday decision is a big one and, and, is, and is something that Ducks fans should be excited to check out for sure. Yeah, again, like something we've talked about generally with the 2022 class is about like, it's about getting a lot of solid rotation guys Um we're not necessarily going for like the big splash name that we have in the past or are currently with the end of the 21 class. Um, but it, it might just be like a lot of really solid guys who can come in and contribute uh, throughout the year at different positions. So obviously yeah. he, he's going to stay at D line. I mean, he's huge, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that, um, you know, especially early in the cycle, it's just going to be about building up commitments. And I think that this coming few weeks is going to be big in terms of, I think there's a few guys who maybe have a chance to commit in the near future here, or at least are narrowing down the, their decisions more. Um, another big name that, that recently came off a, a Oregon visit was Tataroa McMillan. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a a borderline five-star wide receiver. I think he's top 70 or something. Nice. Um, but he's a, he's at a Servite um, in California uh, where some people might remember Travis Johnson, former Oregon quarterback. Uh, I don't know. That's just a little nugget. <laughs> <laughs> he was a recruit that I, that I remember following back in maybe 2014. Um, but yeah, Tetero McMillan, uh, he's a jump ball kind of red zone threat. Um, and he took his visit to Oregon, really liked it. Uh, he's down to Oregon, Arizona State, and USC. Uh, and he's um, was going to come off his Oregon visit and immediately go to USC. And then that trip has since been postponed um, and slash maybe hopefully if you're a duck fan canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, so Oregon picked up some ground there on their visit. Um, and we have, we have interviews with a lot of these guys over on, uh, ducks digest. Um, we got one with McMillan. Like I said, I had, I, I interviewed Cameron Williams and then we also have one with TJ Dudley along with an, a bunch of other prospects who have visited Oregon. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that, that that's another big thing that Ducks fans should be paying attention attention to is that Ted Aroa McMillan recruitment or T Mac as some call him because he could be a kind of a, a big name splash 
at the wide receiver spot um, for Ducks fans to get excited about here. Yeah, so looking forward, um, you just mentioned a lot of names, but dates-wise, obviously we got, like, we we mentioned the commitment dates uh, for the rest of these guys. JT's expected next week. Um, uh, Williams on Monday, and then Dudley on Thursday, or maybe I'm flipping those yeah, around. Yeah, flip those. Uh, Dudley yeah. Monday, Williams Thursday, but yeah. Um, Saturday Night Live, uh, Oregon's, like, in-house kind of, scrimmage recruiting scrimmage i guess is what you would yeah. call it um yeah. is later is like a month from now i think it's yeah it's july 20 something i think right um that's something to keep an eye on that's you that's been a great like shoot when did they start doing that like that, that's i think a crystal they, thing. i think they might have started it under taggart oh, um, oh that makes more sense but i mean crystal Chris Paul is, is so interwoven with that whole time period in terms of yeah, coming in and, yeah. and, and influencing those recruiting tactics a bit. But I think it might have started in 2017 under Tagger. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, we're in the dead of summer, so it's it's really, you know, there's just a lot of waiting going on with college football. Especially, yeah, I mean, not, even recruiting not much news football is all news. waiting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of just waiting. Um but yeah, definitely check out Ducks Digest. Um, you and Max have been doing great stuff over there. Um, I'm trying to think of any any other really news we got. Um, yeah, that's that's about it in terms of the stuff I thought we should talk about. Um, I mean, the big ones are the Isaac Slade transfer, obviously, and the JTT thing. Or I think what most people are probably coming here to <laughs> come yeah. into this podcast feed to hear about. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully we smooth some of those things out for you. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to mention now. Uh, you mentioned uh, ASU as a target. Like, there's been quite a quite a big splash about ASU recently. Um, oh, th- yeah, some, that's good. Some people thought it was a much bigger splash than, or thought it was going to be a much bigger splash than it ended up being. But, um, well, because George Reitzer, like, teased it on Twitter. I'm sure you saw this right. with, like, the... Yeah. He's like, oh, this is going to change the balance of power out west. And it's like huge news. And it's like someone asked him if it was Oregon recruiting violations, and he said no. So it's like, okay, man, wow, this is probably like UW, maybe USC. Like who else could shift the balance of power out west? Right. turns out the news was that Arizona State hosted a bunch of recruits during the dead period. Um, and when I mean a bunch, I mean like – like they forgot to turn the security cameras off at some like like or didn't even bother turning them off at some point yeah. and like a whole dossier of like evidence basically was just kind of like put on somebody's desk to alert like that this was happening at ASU like they they're screwed basically is what i'm trying yeah. to say like they're they're really screwed they they messed up bad like Cheating in recruiting, like, of course, cheating in uh, quotations, happens quite a bit, whether it's, like, paying guys under the table or, like, you know, just giving, uh, obviously, like, <laughs> the McDonald's bags of cash is the classic, like, Tennessee example. There's the uh, <laughs> the DeLorean for Eric Dickerson. But, like, like low-key stuff like this, like, happens a lot. It's just that during COVID, it was a very sensitive time between, like, like, look, everybody is honoring this. Like, everyone is honoring this dead period. Arizona State very clearly and knowingly 
like violated these rules. And so, yes, yeah. you are allowed to be pissed about it. It's not something where like, oh, everybody does this. Like, no, that everyone was pissed that they couldn't do this. Yeah, right. Was doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. I actually wrote a, a story about it for Ducks Digest. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, there were the the Thamel report, Pete Thamel report at Yahoo said at least thirty players. The dossier de- detailed at least thirty players visiting campus. Um, and he also got quotes from David Shaw, um, yeah. the head coach at Stanford, as well as the athletic director for Notre Dame, um, kind of going on record, uh, scolding Arizona state for doing this in line with what you said, you know, that this was not only a run of the mill recruiting violation that you should be upset about because it gave them a, a somewhat of a competitive advantage. But it also, you know, put at risk the players and their families' health and safety uh, in the middle of a pandemic. And so people were really upset about it. And any time a coach or athletic director is willing to go on record without any anonymity, I mean, it shows that they're pretty pissed off about what's going on. Um, And I think, I mean, this, this is a super messy super messy thing um it sounds like basically uh what happened was herm brought in antonio pierce former nfl player as the defensive coordinator and and recruiting coordinator Mm -hmm. let this guy antonio pierce handle most of the recruiting stuff and he basically disregarded the ncaa um guidelines he was a super polarizing leadership figure and it sounds like he basically turned a bunch of the people within the building against him and forced the other people to fall in line with his tactics. Um, And that's kind of resulted in this huge blow up where, uh, you know, one of the quotes that came out was multiple former staff members told Yahoo, Yahoo they'd be happy to speak to the NCAA an unusual stance in a football culture that frowns on anyone speaking to the NCAA. It speaks to how divided the staff at ASU became. So, I mean, that says it right there. Yeah. People in NCAA investigations are, uh, no one likes the NCAA in this sport. They're a no. completely unpredictable, bureaucratic, dumb body who has no control over things and kind of reigns with disregard to standardizing any punishment or having any accountability and then also has this whole other thing about amateurization of, of athletes, which is say what you will about that. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, for the, for staff members to be like, Oh yeah. NCAA call me, call me. I've got something to say against, against Arizona state and the staff tells you that this is pretty serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, if I had to make a prediction, I think, Herm's probably out of there along with a lot of that staff and maybe, I mean, yeah, Pierce is definitely out of there and maybe their athletic director too, because he um, was actually Herm's former agent, I think. Oh, Oh, that's right. Yeah. He has deep ties to Herm Edwards and based on how blatant these violations were, it seems like everyone knew about them. Um, So, it's bad news for him and that whole crew. And I think uh, it, who knows what will happen now because 
you know, Arizona State was a rising team, it seemed like, in the Pac-12 for a while. Oh, yeah. And now this is a major setback for them. But also, it's it's just strange because, you know, like I said, the NCAA is a, is a totally kind of ridiculous body who's going to be making this decision. And we have no idea when it will come down or exactly what it will be. Yeah. And the clock is ticking because... Fall camp starts in about a month, and the season starts in two months. So Yeah. Yeah, and it's, like you mentioned, I mean, Arizona State is a rising program for sure. I mean, their their win over us in 2019 was supposed to be like their them kind of getting over the hump, right? Like, okay, exactly. yeah, now we can compete with the big dogs in this conference. 2020 comes along. They lose a game that they should not have lost to USC, and then they were basically sidelined by COVID for like the majority of the year. I want to say they played like four games. And I mean, that's, yeah, they, that's low they just for Pac-12 viewed, standards. They, they just viewed that as a long recruiting uh, period, yeah. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they wiped the floor with Arizona, your in-state rivals. I mean, they hung like, what, 70 on them in that game? Yeah. I mean, so this was supposed to be like their year to sort of like, okay, yeah, like, you know, 2020 was supposed to be it. Got you know, got delayed and everything. Got Jalen Daniels, like great quarterback. Seemed like they had the pieces to put it together, but I mean, this is a major, major setback for them. So I feel well. I want to say I feel for Arizona State fans, but based on my rea- <laughs> based on my experience with Arizona State fans, I don't really care for them. Um, there's, yeah, they were there's insufferable to after that. After they got the one win. Yeah. After we made them relevant that night in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, this will be your biggest TV check in years. So like, and our old it. and our old friend Prentice Gill, uh, former Oregon wide receiver assistant who helped flip Johnny Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. was cited in the story as as one of the dudes kind of yeah uh, executing some of this stuff for um, for Antonio Pierce. So. Make no mistake, though, overall, I did have a brief interaction with a couple people about this on Twitter. Like, this is a bad thing. Um, like, it's bad if you're a college football fan. It's bad, obviously, if you're an Arizona State fan. But it's bad if you're a Pac-12 fan. Like, let's yeah. be honest. Arizona State and really any Pac-12 South school, for that matter, being good is unequivocally good for the Ducks. It is good to have another USC in the conference. Like, it's good to have like a program like Arizona state who, as people, you know, were quick to mention to me, like, Oh, they're like the fifth best team in the conference. Like who cares? Guess what? Like bringing those mid tier teams up to a higher level in your conference is what makes your conference better. You should be wanting the worst teams in your conference to be doing better. You should want, yeah, be wanting every I mean, team you're, to be doing better. Your fifth best team like matters a lot when the SEC's fifth best team is, is like LSU. LSU, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, like I'm, you know, I mean, it would be nice, that, you know, when you have to measure against that. You have your fifth best team does matter. Yeah, know? yeah, it really does. Um, so yeah, yeah. Hopefully so they I think can it's bad from that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it, it it is it's mostly bad. I mean, I think there's an argument there where you know if if in 2019 Arizona State was an, a worse team, then maybe we win that game and we survive, and then we could potentially have gone to a playoff. Get destroyed in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that. Sure, that's <laughs> that. 
I'm not getting into that, but um, <laughs> That's fair. but I think overall, I mean, it hurts the conference undoubtedly. It hurts our perception as a conference, and and especially with what Oregon is aspiring to be, it's we're kind of trying to get past the point where Oregon is threatened by Arizona State creeping into the top twenty-five. Yeah, you know? yeah, it, that should just be another feather in our cap in terms of our strength of of resume, not so much um, a threat to us that Arizona State's going to yeah, overtake yeah, us. Exactly. And, I mean, the real tragedy of this all is I think Arizona State didn't even have a very good recruiting class last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what were we doing? What was this all for? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, briefly, I just recalled a couple more pieces of quick news that we can go over before we get out of here. One being that uh, the NC, the big bad NCAA uh, took a smack to the face um, from the Supreme Court recently. Uh, this flew under a lot of people's radar just because it didn't have anything to do with like on-field stuff. Um, but essentially, the there was this court case that the NCAA appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court, um, and it's basically like the Supreme Court unanimously, nine to zero, ruled uh, against the NCAA um, in favor of this this guy, some West Virginia grad. I don't even remember his name. Um, uh, essentially, it it removes restrictions on education based expenses. Um, it won't. This isn't something that will change the balance of power. This isn't something that will change recruiting like very much. Basically, what it means is like you can buy more laptops for your players. Um, right. You know, you, you can, you can have nicer technology for your football players and, you know, other sports I'm assuming. Um, so yeah, there, that's not something we really need to discuss in general, but the real like thing that it gets at is it's a small domino in, uh, getting towards like NIL legislation. Um, right. Because, in the sorry, I I was on a long road trip recently, so I listened to a lot of podcasts about this. Um, essentially, like um, the uh, the dissent, the concurring opinion, the concurrent opinion written by Brett Kavanaugh, who like boo, but whatever. Um, again, this was unanimous; everyone agreed on it. He there's a quote in there where he says, like in virtually any other industry in America, like the NCAA's business model would be flat out illegal, like almost calling on players to unionize, which again is like hilarious coming from such a conservative person, but like whatever. Um, it's a, it's a small step towards, you know, getting players more compensation than just a scholarship, which I don't think it's an outlandish thing to say that that is something we should hope for. Um, and then the other piece of news, uh, shoot, dude, what? I'm blanking on it. I had it on the tip of my tongue. Damn, I don't know. <laughs> I, dude, I, seriously, like this, this, this heat is frying my brain. But um, was it playoff stuff? Yes, it was playoff stuff. Thank you. Yeah, we got to twelve, which I think neither of us. It's a disaster. Yeah, not, neither of us would have <laughs> been super hyped about. Um, I, you know what, at this point, like, screw it. I, I'll be entertained. Like, I'll, I'll watch it. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just ready to see how it goes. We'll see. We'll exactly. see. But if All right. you want to hear us rant about the playoff, go check out the bonus episode, <laughs> oh, like God. Oh, God. five episodes back, maybe. But yeah, I think that's it. Yep. Cool. Um, let's go Ducks. All right. Next time we talk to you, hopefully JTT will be a duck along with TJ Dudley and Cameron Williams, maybe a few others. Uh, yeah. And hopefully, I don't know, nothing will be resolved in the Isaac Slate. Hopefully Isaac Slate has a new uh, home outside of the Pac-12 where we can root for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go Ducks. Go Ducks.